0: Thank you, guys. We do serve a great God, and we've looked in the book of Ephesians so far at uh, many testimonies of God's greatness in the grandest language. If you read through uh, Ephesians 1 through 3, you can't help but uh, just uh, be blown away by how God's Word so powerfully puts the great things that God has done for us, things that nobody else could do. And things that certainly we could never do for ourselves. God intervened. He sent his son and came and brought salvation to us. And now we've come to a section of the book of Ephesians where um, the Bible instructs God's people how we ought to live under that greatness that that greatness ought to not just be a concept, but it ought to find its way into the reality of our lives. And the overarching umbrella statement of this next section of scripture that we've been studying is that we ought to walk in a manner, do you remember, worthy, a manner that is worthy of that calling to salvation. And of course, we do know uh, that in our in our humanity, in a fallen world, there is no way that we of ourselves have the power, the ability, the righteousness to match up to the magnificence of what Jesus has done for us. but there ought to be some connective tissue, there ought to be something of our lives that is suggestive that God has done a great transformation in us. there ought to be some type of correspondence uh, of worthiness to what God has done in our lives. And so we come today to a text of scripture in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15. We'll begin there. This is very practical, very simple, very straightforward, and and I think very understandable, which I'm thankful for because last week we were in a very heavy uh, topic and passage, um, just full of depth and this week we're going to walk through this, and I hope it's something you can apply to your life, uh, just very practically. When I was a kid, uh, I remember my grandmother, uh, my great grandmother, and um, grandfather. We were—they uh, lived in Flintstone, Georgia, a little small town just south of Chattanooga, farming community. In fact, a big dairy was there where uh, Flavorich Rich milk. You, you, anybody remember the brand flavo Rich? Okay. It was all made there, or or harvested there at least, in Flintstone, Georgia, at uh, Happy Valley Farms. And uh, we would pass Happy Valley Farms, and it was just out in the country. And my great-grandparents lived in a tiny little house with chestnut trees and old-style fridge and freezer, like the old, old ones, you know. Leave it to beaver, like the big, you know, you open it up. And uh, we would go sit on the porch up there, and we would go... um, uh, every day past their neighbor's house. And one day I remember my mom telling me uh, that their neighbor had died in a car crash. And he, like, like everybody in that area, lived in a very simple house with a dirt garage floor and um, not much money, but a, a richly lived life. And uh, she was telling me the story. And when you're a kid, you, you just recall everything your parents tell you. I mean, you just soak it in, especially stories like this. She said, the saddest thing about it Is you know, after everything was over, the burial was done, his kids came around and were cleaning out his house, and underneath the dirt floor, they found a jar in there crammed with thousands of dollars, and he had died as a result of not getting his brakes fixed in that car. He didn't want to spend the money, I guess. I don't know what the, the situation was, but, but she just kind of sat on that and told us that. I remember just as a kid processing that, how eerie that was. I mean, what a simple thing, and, and yes, an expensive repair, but when you have thousands of dollars buried underneath the dirt of your garage and it costs you your life, it's something you should have done. You should have taken those funds and appropriated them. Uh, to save you and to help you in your life. And the picture we're looking at today is one where God has given us the riches of his goodness. I mean, we've got them there, and the admonition is do not bury these beneath the dirt. Appropriate them into your life. Walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And so Ephesians chapter 5 Let's read this together, just a few verses, verses 15 through 21. These words will be on the screen, and if you don't have a Bible in your life today, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word, and so we've got those on the table in the back. You just take that if you need it. There's no cost to you at all, just a gift from our heart uh, to yours. We want you to have that, and so don't be afraid to pick that up and take it with you if you need a Bible. Verse 15 of Ephesians 5, look carefully then how you walk. Look carefully. Don't don't miss the power of this. The King James uses the word circumspectly. Walk circumspectly. You know what circumference means, right? It's the roundness. You know what a spectacle is, right? It's glasses. It means look around, Be looking around in in your Christian walk. Be aware, be alert for threats, for dangers, for obstacles. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Not as unwise, and the King James, I think, says fools. Not as fools, but as wise. Making the best use of the time. Again, I'm going to refer back to the King James here because the language is is on point and it's powerful. The King James in verse 16 says, who knows? Redeeming, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. Verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery or dissipation or or just um, wrongdoing, if you will. Uh, that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That that means within the church, addressing. That means in our in our conversation, uh, in our uh, practice, in our we ought to be speaking and singing the things of God, uh, hymns and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, not just vocalizing these things so that they're out in the air, not just syllables, uh, but with our heart, with our heart, we're supposed to be in this place singing and making melody to the Lord. The reason we gather here on Sundays and the reason the hymnody and uh, the worship time is, is such a big part of our service. The reason we have a choir and all these musicians are trained and they rehearse uh, every week is not just because, well, that's the way we've always done it. We, it's tied to the biblical text. The church is to be a people of singing. And I hope when you come to church, you love, you enjoy that part of the service. You don't have to sing good. Praise God, right, uh, because many of you don't, right, and I'm, I'm one of you. Uh, you don't have to sing good. We have to make a melody to the Lord with our heart. It's a big deal. It's not just because Trey says so. It's not just because I say so. It's because God's Word focuses such attention on this, this act of, of worship. And so we're supposed to do this. In verse 20, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? It means a singing, right? It means um, giving thanks always for everything. In everything, we find there's some way to give thanks to God. In everything? Yes. That's the power of the, of the Christian life. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in verse 21, submitting <coughs> to one another out of reverence for Christ. How do we walk as light? How is it we walk in a worthy way? There are three ways listed here. And the first is this. We're to live carefully in a world that is evil. This is an evil world. We're not just dealing with politics and education and government and entertainment, and not just the functional arms of a broken world. There is evil at work in our world when you think of the issues that our world faces right now and that our families face, that our men face, that our children face, when you think of these issues, these are not just obstacles, practical obstacles. There is an evil at work in our world. And God wants us to live in a way that shows two things in the face of this evil. The first is this, he wants us to live carefully, Uh, The word here means with exactness, with precision, uh, to look with detail. Anybody ever pressure washed your driveway, guys? I mean, I hate to pressure wash, but once I start, I love it. Because you see all those lines, don't you? I mean, and when you're done with it, you look over that driveway, you can tell a place that you missed a little bit. Do you just leave it if you're like me? if you're a self-respecting person at all, you go back and you, go, you, you, you don't leave that. That's the precision that's in view here. Uh, we're to look at our walk with preciseness, not just with, with, with big sweeping glances, but with, with detail. Is there anything in my walk? Is there any small thing going to trip me up? Is there any minor obstacle that's going to lead to something bigger? Am I indulging in something? Yeah, it seems acceptable, but it's going to drive me to destruction. Uh, we're supposed to be careful here how we walk. We went to a mirror maze in Gatlinburg with the kids when they were little. Um, it's a little place called The Island, but when it was just getting started. In fact, all that was there was that little Mirror maze, and we went through there. I saw one of my kids run smack face first into one of those mirrors. Guess what? I didn't do go running through the mirror maze. Right, I would, I at my size, I would probably go through two or three of those panels before it was over with. Uh, but I started looking for any little smudge on the glass that could tell me this was fake. Right, I started looking for any distortion of a reflection. They could tell me I'm about to ram into something here. I looked with the finest detail not to embarrass myself in that mirror maze. We're supposed to walk carefully, circumspectly. Our walk is important. We don't want to bury that, that money, bury those riches in the garage floor of our life. We want it to make a difference and to show up in our lives. But also, we're supposed to walk with wisdom. This simply means this, thinking and acting in a way that shares the perspectives and the priorities of God. Wisdom is different than education. Wisdom is different than expertise. Wisdom is even different than just experience of life. Wisdom in the Christian sense is something that is given by God that comes from above, the book of James says. Uh, it, It is something that the Christian possesses, and it's up to us to appropriate it in our lives, thinking and acting in a way that shares the perspectives and the priorities of God. And the outcome of both of these, the carefulness and the wisdom, is that we as believers in Jesus Christ, we redeem the time. We redeem the time. What that means is we, we buy it back. It's a very technical term from the ancient marketplace. We purchase it back. From whom? From evil. We take it back. My dad, or my grandfather rather, had a 64 Chevy pickup. Beautiful blue pickup. I mean, tailgate that you hung by the chains, you know what I mean? And uh, just a, 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 they call it three on the tree, you know what I mean? Uh, the, the three speed up there. And a, a giant clutch that you, you couldn't push, you know, it's just so hard to push. And no power steering and vent windows, and we loved it so much. It was just a part of our DNA as a family. And my dad got it once my grandfather passed away, and it deteriorated. And Jackson, my son, just loved that truck. Thought about it all the time. In fact, we have now a melted model of that truck in Jackson's bedroom uh, because it's so special to him. And one day I said, dad, could I come over and just take Jackson for a ride in that old truck? He would love it. Now, Jackson was a little guy at that time. My dad said, oh, I gave that away. I was like, what? You know, he he said, uh, he said, yeah, a guy came over and did some work on my shed and I just gave it to him. And I said, oh my goodness, I just could not believe it, you know. And uh, is there anything, do you know this guy? I said, could I call him? And maybe I could buy it back from him. Even though you gave it to him, I would try to pay to get that back. And he said, I don't even know the guy's name. Just a guy. Gone, right? That's the picture here. Not that it's gone, but that we can buy back what ought to belong to God. Now, in the case of that truck, I didn't know who had it, but in the case of the time, redeeming the time. We do know who has that. Listen to this verse from 1 John chapter 1. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. We're redeeming the time from evil. We're taking it back from the evil one We're purchasing it with our lives and staking a claim and putting a flag down for the Lord Jesus. That's that's what this means. We're buying back the time. And so how do we do that? Let me ask you this. When you think about the priorities of your life, how your life is ordered, for instance. Think about the last week, the last month. Uh, If you're honest, what you spent most of your time doing or big chunks of your time doing? Was it about redeeming the time? Was it about saying to a culture of evil, of looking in the face of Satan and saying, no, my life is going to count for something? I talked to a man yesterday who was in the hospital this weekend, just got out of the hospital, and he said, while I was there, I couldn't sleep at all. And he wasn't complaining. He said, I took the chance to start some conversations uh, with the young, the young man who is my orderly uh, and, w- and with the nurse. And I found out they have a family. And I invited them to church. And I told them about the Lord. And uh, one of them knew a little bit, but the other one didn't. But I planted those seeds, redeeming the time, redeeming it, a time that is, that is broken and a time that is evil. And saying, not this moment, not this moment, it's not going to be evil. Not this dinner around the table with my family, it's not going to be evil. Not this opportunity in my day at my workplace, it's not going to be evil. Not this chance to compromise and and to go the way of the world and and to do what they think is right. Not this moment, I'm buying it back, I'm, I'm taking hold of it, I'm claiming it as the Lord's. When you think of the way your life is ordered, does it reflect a determination to live in a way that takes back what lies in the hands of evil? For the time that you're on this earth, are you purchasing back the moments that God trusts to you? Here's the question I wanted to leave with you today. Is what I'm doing right now in my life, is it redeeming any time? That's what we're supposed to do, live carefully in a world that is evil. Secondly, we're supposed to seek God's will in a world that is foolish. Look at verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand. The word understand there in the Greek means to put together, to assemble, understand what the will of the Lord is. God wants us to put together a picture of his will in a way that we will recognize and follow with our lives and in a way that is different than a foolish world. We just moved into a new house and our bed was late to come. In fact, the kids all had their beds and we didn't get ours for some reason and had to reorder it Um, and um, we decided to order a king-size bed. We never had a king-size bed but we've come to a point in our life we want to be as far away from each other as possible (laughs) and so we ordered a king-size bed I'm just kidding about most of that, but, um, <laughs> <clears throat> but we did, and uh, all we ordered in a box from Wayfair, you know, an online place. It comes in a box; you got to put together. Now, this is a king size bed. It came in a box about this size. Okay, <laughs> what that means to me is that none of it is pre-done for you, right? Every bolt and every washer, every tiniest piece is just in there on its own. And you've got to open up those instructions and do it all. I mean, it's all up to you. It took me a whole day to put the headboard together, right? <laughs> but after a while, you begin to see, a, it begins to look like a bed. When you dump it out, it just looks like a, a bunch of bolts. And, and you're like, What is this? And there comes a point where you can say, oh, aha, that's where the headboard's going to be. And, and these parts are going to become the support for the mattress on top. And, and here's where the feet are going to be. And you, you start to see a picture of it. You're putting it together. God wants us in a world that is foolish. It, it does not have the wisdom of God. He wants us to find the will of God and to be able to, to shape it together for ourselves in a way that we recognize, where we're able to say, aha, Yes, okay. I get the picture here. I understand the will of God. I'm familiar with it. When I'm walking through my day, I can refer to that mental image. I can remember it's assembled in my mind. I can walk after the pattern that God has put there for me. How in the world do we put together that for our lives? Well, I think you know the simple answer, and the, the answer is simple, although difficult sometimes. We go to the Word of God. This thing is authoritative, true, and everlasting. It's not going away. Its principles haven't changed. The power of God rests on this because the voice of God dictated it to men who wrote it down over time. This is the word of God. We don't want to, we want to lay it down so often, but also we've got a challenge to put together the will of God. You want to know God's will? You want to see that shape in your head? Without this, it's not going to happen. Gentlemen, it will not happen. Ladies and young people, it will not happen. We go to God's word. Well, most people I know don't do that. Matthew, most people, Fletcher, youth pastor, most people I, I know don't do that. Are you tell me my teenage self is, is supposed to go to God's word and, and be a part of this? I don't even understand all of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's not, that is not a superlative thing that we do as Christians. It's not, it's not something we, we should brag about. It ought to be a normal thing, a, a, a normative thing, that if you're a believer, that's what you do. You go to God's word. We go to, to the Lord in prayer. God has given us prayer as an access to the throne of grace, not only to petition him, but to receive from him that wisdom of heaven to get to know his mind better? Are you going to the Lord in prayer? Are you around the example of godly people? I'm so proud of our men's ministry for working at at, at, uh, Moyo Missions the other day to build a fence. It took them a long time. It was hard work. Eddie was there and some others uh, of our men were there. I'm so proud of them, not only for the labor that they did on that fence for our missions partner, uh, but that they were together that they were seeing one another. I was so proud uh, that godly manhood could be on display there for each one to learn back and forth from. Are you around God's people enough to see the example, the legacy of godliness? Uh, Mark uh, Gillen sits right up here. Uh, let me tell you, him among so many others of you, it is my, has been my honor, my delight to have known you and and, and all things remaining equal, I'll be here when y'all are gone. Now, the Lord could take me today, and he may please to do it, but uh, uh, I'll probably be here after you. Praise God that my children have been here in time to see you, to know you, to absorb some of your character. Ralph and, and so many others of you, here. I praise God for that. It would not happen if I weren't here. It will not happen if you're not here. It will not happen if your children are not here. You got to be here to see and to to absorb the example of the people of God. That's one way we put together the nuts and the bolts of the will of God in our lives. It's just one way uh, that we do it. We nurture the inner spirit is the last way. Are you nurturing the spirit of God in your life? God's word, prayer, the example of his people, nurturing the spirit of God. Are you loving God today? Are you going to God regularly? Are you hearing from God gladly? Are you believing in God in a way that keeps the shape of his will in front of you on your path that you can watch carefully and know the difference between godliness and foolishness? Or are you following another pattern are you shaped after a foolish world? Because if we do nothing, we will take on the pattern, the shape of the foolish world. The Bible says here, don't be foolish. Fine, put together, understand the will of God. He has something better for his kingdom and his people. But lastly, this, be led by the Lord in a world that is lost. Be led by the Lord in a world that is lost. Verses 18 through 21 paint us a picture here. The final contrast here is between what we fill ourselves with as Christians. What does it say? And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. There's a comparison of fillings here. What do you do with wine? You take it in, right? You, feel, you get filled up with wine. I don't know why he focused on wine particularly in the book of Ephesians. It hasn't featured yet, and nobody really knows for certain uh, why wine. And so there's two messages here. Do not be drunk, first of all. Clear as day. I mean, if you ever wonder about the issue of alcohol, one thing you don't have to wonder about You don't have to wonder about this. The Bible tells us clearly here and elsewhere that we as believers are not to be drunk. Even if you are one who says, I have the liberty uh, to partake in alcohol, even if you do that, there is no liberty for us to be influenced by it. Do not be drunk with wine but be filled with the Spirit. And so wine here stands in for anything else that you might be tempted to fill yourself with other than the Spirit of God. Don't fill yourself with junk. When God, when the Spirit of God is out there and desires to be filling you, that's his disposition. He wants to do it. You don't have to plead with him to do it. That's what he does. Don't stop him from doing it by filling yourself up with other things. There's a contrast here. Don't fill yourself up with wine. I saw a, um, an article recently about something that really happened in 1992. A little container, not a little container, a big, a giant container ship off the coast of Hong Kong. And it had set out from Hong Kong Harbor and was headed somewhere else in the world. And some, um, some containers, big shipping containers, tumbled off into the ocean. And one of them had in it some toys called friendly floaties. And these friendly floaties were little rubber duckies. And I think also there was a turtle and a frog. There are some other things, but mainly uh, they're the size of little rubber duckies, like a little bath toy that floats. 29,000 of them poured out into the Pacific ocean, right there, friendly floaties. There's some of them right there. They look cool as a cucumber, don't they? They're ready to go. Friendly, they got their sunglasses, which is exactly what you need in the Pacific Ocean, I guess. And there they were, 29,000 of them, and they started floating all over the world. And they started landing at shores, I'm telling you everywhere, Iceland. They're, they found in Iceland, and Australia, and in Europe, and in the English Channel, and in Massachusetts. Uh, they just started showing up everywhere eventually. Today, this is 1992 this happened, they are still coming ashore in different places, uh, friendly floaties. They look a lot less friendly these days uh, when they wash up, <clears throat> but they're just taken around by the current of the oceans.
1: Wherever it leads,
0: wherever it goes, listen, that's where they, they just kind of float uh, to those places. The Bible wants us not to just rest on the waves of a God of, of a, a abandoned culture of a sinful world, that we just kind of go where it seems like right to go. We just kind of listen to the loudest voices, what, what they say is right, and what they say is wrong. The Bible wants us to be filled with the influencing power of the Spirit, not the influencing power of alcohol, not the influencing power of of totally overdoing it on video games, not the influencing power of entertainment uh, or or power in our lives or affluence or work all the time, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, to have a direction. We're not going just wherever it takes us. We're going where God is going. We're filled with the Spirit of God. And here's what that means plainly from this text. It means a heart of constant praise, we're to be singing to each other. We're to be talking to each other in terms of biblical truth. That ought to feature in our lives. That that ought to be a common thing, that we're making melody to the Lord with our heart. Wherever we are, wherever life takes us, there's a driving force, a feeling in our lives that has the praise of God on our tongues somewhere, somehow. Secondly, a life that is filled with thankfulness. We're to thank God how often does it say, and under what circumstances, would you give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ? Now that tells the story of who's filled with the Spirit because it is not easy to thank God under all circumstances. When something breaks apart, when something's lost, when the pain is deep and dark and lasting. I mean, when, when, when it's not fair, it's not just. Isn't God a just God? Why is this injustice happening? It's difficult to say, God, I'm thankful. I thank you for this always and in everything. God, you are still good. We're, we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that our life is changed in that way. And lastly... We're supposed to have a Christ-like self-submission. Verse 21, to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That means in the church, we're supposed to have an attitude of give, not gain, right? We submit, the Bible says we're to consider the needs of others as more important than our own, to place ourselves low and others high. And specifically, the Bible's going to take us on a journey in the next couple weeks of very specific pictures of submission in godliness that we're going to look at together. But generally, we're, that we're supposed to find that in God's house, we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, not because somebody is the best at something, not because they're the most talented VBS director we've ever had, not, not because we're exuberant with personality. We submit to one another out of the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let me ask you, what currents determine the course of your life? There is some current, there is some force, there is some feeling that is leading you. What are those currents in your life? It comes down to what you fill yourself with. If you think about it for just a minute, in the hours, in the days, in the weeks, in the moments of your life, Are you seeking the spirit of God? Are you being filled or are you being filled with so much else that's trying to get in? Either way, it shows and give God his place in your life where he deserves to be. And so after we've looked at all this together today, it's evident that there is power in looking carefully how you walk. There is power in that for life and godliness And it's true that those who are given the light are expected by God to walk in the light. Don't bury it in your garage. Don't put it under the dirt. Let it find its way to the place it deserves to be. And maybe today would be the day that you honor God by taking a fresh look, by being circumspect for just a moment to seeing what you have allowed to grow up, what you've allowed to fill you from within what currents you're floating on. Let me pray for us. In just a moment, I'd be happy to offer you a time of response. There's no magic to this. It just means that the Lord has spoken to you and you decide that you're going to respond to him in a different way. Maybe you'd pray right where you're at today and just love God and ask him to change something in your life. Maybe you are on a path where you're filled with with so many other things, and the patterns of godliness are just not something you've put together. You're not walking with that image in your mind. You're not comparing your walk uh, to the picture of God's will. Uh, You're just going wherever life takes you. Maybe you plead with God this morning, Lord, set me on a right path again, strengthen my steps. I want to follow you. Maybe today you need to come for baptism or church membership or just to, for some other reason I never would think of. I'll be here, love to pray with you if you need prayer. If you need to pray privately at the altar, it's, it's open here. You listen and obey what God tells you. Lord, thank you for this day and thank you for your word. Thank you for trusting it to us. I pray it would have made a difference to your people today and it would have um, brought joy to the throne room of heaven, what we've done here in this place. and I pray that you allow uh, your word to change us to make us different. Help us to be yours, distinctly yours, God. You deserve it and we desire it. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing it as we do. I invite you to respond.